Good morning. Welcome to part two of Signs to the Church. Signs are everywhere. We talked about this a little bit last week. Signs give us direction. They guide us. They warn us. They can even celebrate us. Think about around graduation time when all the signs go up in yards that say congratulations to whoever accomplished that goal. It could be everything. I've seen them from everything from high school graduations up to uh, getting doctorate degrees. Signs can be a part of celebration. They're also things that give us warning. They give us direction. Uh, mentioned, hey, if you miss the, the bathroom sign and go in the wrong bathroom, it can be a very embarrassing moment. They will warn us of dangers ahead. Well, in this, Jesus himself went to John when he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos and said, write these things down. The book of Revelation is a pretty fantastic book. And in there, he wrote letters to seven churches at the beginning of the book. And that's what we're looking at through this series. Signs to the church are the things that Jesus said to those seven churches. Those seven churches were actual churches in areas in western Turkey. Um, so that's part of the world. But they were also, and in Jesus' words, because he is the first and last, said that they are signs for that time, but they're also for the future. They're also for the church of today. And we are a part of that church. We're disciples of Christ. We are a part of the larger church. This is Kennesaw Family Life Church. And you're a part of this church, but we're also a part of a bigger church. We've talked about that many times. We have a place to fill here in the Kennesaw area, here in our little corner of Cobb County. We impact this area, but we are a part of a bigger picture, a worldwide global church that God has called us to. And so we want to look at what Jesus was saying to the second church today. Now, this is one of only two churches. Well, let me, let me back up for a minute. I don't want to go into that quite yet. There are four areas that Jesus talked about in the letters. There's areas of commendation where he tells the church, hey, this is what you're doing well. Good job. Well done. Continue doing what you're doing in that area. Then there's condemnation, where he tells the church, hey, look, I see this in you. I see this in you. Last week in the first church that we talked about in Ephesus, the condemnation was that they had lost their first love. They had lost their love of Jesus, and they had lost their love of others. Now, they were great at following the rules and getting rid of false teaching, but they, had for, they forgot love. So, that, so you have commendation, you have condemnation, and then you have a warning. What happens if you don't fix this? Last week, he talked about removing their lampstand when they didn't fix it. So that was the warning that if they didn't start to love again, if they didn't start to fall in love with Jesus and with others again, that their lampstand would be taken away. And then the reward. What will happen if they repent and turn back and do what God asked them to do? It said that their reward would be eternal life. So there's those four areas fit almost all of the letters. Today we're going to look at the Church of Smyrna, which is in Revelation 2, verses 8 through 11. That's so if you want to go ahead and get there, Church uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. The Church at Smyrna. This is one of only two churches. So there's seven churches that Jesus writes to. This is one of only two that there was no condemnation. There was nothing in there that Jesus 
told them they needed to fix. Sounds pretty awesome, right? I would love to have God look at my life and look at our church and say, you are killing it, don't change a thing. You're doing everything the way that I've called you to do it. That would be pretty awesome, right? I realize that that is very rare time in my life when I've got it all in order. There's always something that I need to fix, always something that I could do better. There's always something that maybe I need to repent of. But Jesus looks at the church at Smyrna and said, hey, well done. So they, were, they must have been really blessed. They probably had everything going their way. They were doing, probably doing well financially. They were probably well known in their community, probably raised up on this pedestal as the, like the church to be a part of and, and because they were doing everything right. So let's look at what Jesus wrote to Smyrna in Revelation 2. 8 through 11. It says, Write this letter to the angel of the church of Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who is dead and now is alive. See, that's identifying it as Jesus, the one who is dead and who is now alive, the first and last. Talked about that a little bit last week. This is what he said I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not, because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for ten days, but if you remain faithful even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Did you catch that? Wait a minute. Did Jesus just say they would suffer, be put in prison, and may even face death? They're doing everything right. Why would there be suffering, imprisonment, and death? I thought if we did everything perfectly that everything would just be smooth. Well, the truth is, life doesn't work that way. We could do everything right. We could be honoring God the best that we can. And it could feel like the wheels are falling off the bus because of persecution. It might be persecution. It might just be that things in our lives in this broken world just don't always work out the way that we need them to. The way that that we think that they should. We might suffer This said they had extreme poverty. See, they were doing everything right, and yet everything seemed to be going wrong. See, the lie that we've sold ourselves in America is based, we've based our values on having abundance in the bank. We've based our values on success, what we call success. That man, if if our bank account's good and we've got, you know, two cars in the driveway, a boat and a and a side-by-side, and a, you know, whatever you want to have in your garage, that that's our pinnacle of success. And that's not what God says. Our success is when we live for God and follow Him. That's when He says, well done. But we've built everything on this lie. And then when things don't go quite the way we think we should, or they should, we, we freak out. Now, some people freak out and run to God, and others freak out and say, well, God, why did you do this to me? The church in Smyrna was doing 
everything the way they should. And God saw their suffering and their poverty. They were probably impoverished because of how well they were doing for the gospel. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? But they were doing everything right. And remember, this is a spiritual battle. The enemy is going to do everything he can to derail those that are following Christ. So we need to look at this. We've got just two points today. The commendation, enduring suffering and poverty. That's the first thing. They're enduring suffering and poverty. Remember, in verse 9, the first part says, I know you're suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. Doesn't make sense, does it, in our math? They're suffering in poverty. What is their what are they rich about? They're rich in the love of God. They're rich in the blessings of God. They are right with Him. If everything in this world falls apart, but you're right with God, you have more than anyone else. You have all that you need and more. That's what we need to grasp onto. That's what we need to hold on to. Because when we reach success, success is being fully in love with Jesus, being fully in love with Him and His Word and doing what He has said. That's when we are successful. That's when we are rich because our spiritual lives are going to be full and there's going to be a reward for us. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Remember, this is a spiritual warfare and the enemy, Satan, wants to attack us and persecute us. That's what he was doing to the church in Smyrna. History tells us that Smyrna was a proud city, that they were a wealthy city. They wanted to do, they were really closely aligned with Rome and they did everything they could to please the emperor of Rome and even to worship the emperor of Rome. Now, I know that they were in Western Turkey, but they were, you know, Rome was the big superpower at that time. And Smyrna fell in line with Rome. They were excited about Rome. And that's what history tells us. There was a large population of Jews there. But did you catch what they said about the Jews there? Jesus said that they were a synagogue of Satan. I would not want that on my resume. I would not hang that over the door or anything else. It says, look at, at 9b, the second part of verse 9. It says, I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. The synagogue belongs to Satan. See, and because of this persecution of the church, because of this persecution of the believers in Smyrna, they were extremely poor and they were terribly persecuted. Again, they were doing everything the way they should and they were honoring God, and, and, but they were extremely poor and persecuted. It was not an easy place to follow Christ. The early believers counted it a joy to suffer for Jesus. Did you get that? They counted it a joy to suffer for Jesus. They said, you know what? After all, Jesus suffered first for us. Jesus walked this earth. He suffered an excruciating death for our salvation. Now, He had to die on that cross for our sins. His blood was shed as a sacrifice for you and me if we would accept it. And then He rose again. Remember, at the beginning of this letter, it said the first and the last, the one that was dead and is now alive. That is Jesus. He did that for us. But he suffered greatly. Why should we expect anything different? Look at Acts chapter 5, verses 40 and 41. 
This is the early church. They're establishing the church. You know, there was not a church at that time. And even then, they would go to synagogues and preach the gospel, but they were meeting in homes, and they were establishing their church in homes. And this is what it said in Acts chapter 5. They called in all, they called in the apostles and had them flogged. Now the apostles have been called in. They were preaching Jesus. They were ordered, they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. See, they were before the high council, before the Jews. They were ordered in. They were flogged for preaching Jesus. And then they were told never to preach about Jesus again. They were let go. And the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. They counted themselves worthy to suffer for Jesus. That, they were excited about that because that, that meant that they were following Jesus, that they identified with Him. It doesn't compute well in our minds. We don't equate punishment and suffering as a good thing. But for them, because Jesus told them that they would suffer for following him, they counted it a joy. I mean, look a little bit further, and I'm going to go to Mark chapter 8, and this is what uh, Jesus said to his disciples there. And this is kind of precludes their suffering, why they counted it joy. It says this, it says in, ver- in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Then, calling the crowd to join the, his disciples, he said, this is Jesus speaking, If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? If anything is anything worth more than your soul? Do you get this now? I remember reading this when I was younger, when he said, take up your cross, and it kind of made sense because we knew Jesus died on a cross. But this is Jesus' words before he ever died on a cross. He was setting the stage for us as disciples. He called the disciples in the crowd. He was teaching his disciples that, look, it's going to cost you something to follow me. In other parts of the scripture, he says, count the cost before you follow me. Know that you're going to suffer. Know that there is going to be difficult times. Know that everything isn't going to work out the way that you want it to. That you might even be disgraced. You might lose friends. You might lose business because of my name. Will you still follow me? It will cost you everything. See, that's what we have to be willing to give up to follow Jesus is everything. That's what's so hard for us in America because we hold on so tightly to everything that we have around us because we've been taught to earn all of this and to build this kingdom for ourselves. But when we put our finances and our possessions and all those things in the right place, they no longer have a hold over us. And then we can have the freedom through Christ to enjoy what we have But know that, you know, at any moment this could go away and I'm still okay. There's nothing wrong with blessing. God throughout history has blessed some people. Some people can make money just by breathing. I have friends that it seems like no matter what they do, they make money. And I go, wait a minute. 
I don't know how to make money to save my life. And they're making money like it's going out of business, but they put it in the right place. I've known several people that have been extremely wealthy that their goal was to give it all away before they die. There are people that put money in its right place and put possessions in the right place. It's okay to have things. It's okay to, to be blessed in those areas. But we need to honor God with our finances and honor God with who we are because we live first for Him. It could all go away and our relationship with God should not change. That's all I'm going to say about that. In the Amer- in a, here in America, we've enjoyed decades of blessing for following Christ. We have not really had persecution. We've had some things, but we've not really had persecution. Our life hasn't been on the line to follow Jesus for the most part. We enjoy a relative amount of blessing and success by being an American church. The problem with that is, is because we do have some favor We've grown complacent. We've grown lax and we don't necessarily dig in or feel like we need God the same way. See, back then in Smyrna, really there are parts around the world that those that have to risk their lives, those that are being persecuted daily, that they might even have to face death on a daily basis to follow Jesus, have such a different and deeper and richer relationship with Christ because it costs them everything to follow Him. And that's something that a lot of us can't understand. Now, that doesn't mean all of us. I think there are some people in America that really, truly get it. But I think it's a little bit more difficult for us to understand it in that context. You know, a few weeks ago, I, I read a book, or I mentioned that I read a book by Francis Chan called Letters to the Church. And his idea in writing the book was very much like the letters that Jesus wrote in Revelation. He wasn't trying to be Jesus But he felt like he had some things to say to the church that came from God that were going to be a little bit hard to hear and a little bit hard to understand. And and he wanted people to understand it from that perspective. And in reading that, there's a a chapter on suffering. I know I shared it a couple weeks ago, a clip out of there. I want to share another one that just kind of stuck out to me. For several years, Francis Chan went and became a missionary to China. And he spent a lot of time, and really in Asia, he went all over Asia, but specifically spent some time in China. And here's some things that he said about the underground church. Now, if you remember several years ago in China, it was illegal to have a Bible. People were smuggling Bibles into the country. They couldn't have churches that were, uh, if they knew, if the Chinese government knew about a church, they would go in and shut them down, arrest all the people. Uh, There's been stories and there's a movie, I can't remember the name of it, that talks about the underground church and how they would sing worship songs silently together and 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 the church just grew and expanded and China has one of the largest churches in the world but it's all been, it was all done underground so that the government would not know that they were there but this is what it said in this book uh, it says years ago I was in China and visited an underground church gathering where I asked uh, where I asked them about the persecution And each person stood up, started sharing stories about persecution that he or she had endured. Sometimes they had to hide in the walls because the government officials were coming. Some of them even uh, ran from gunshots. 
but I wish you could hear the way they were sharing. Everyone was just laughing like it was a party. It sounded completely insane to me. Hearing them laugh about being shot at, but it didn't faze them because they just expected it. And in their prayers, they were screaming out to God to take them to the most dangerous places. I want to suffer for you. I don't want to go to a safe place. I don't. Please, I want to be counted worthy to die in your name. That's the way they prayed. If you have a group like that, how are you going to stop them? See, those that were going through extreme persecution prayed for even more. They prayed to go to the worst places in the world for the gospel of Jesus. They wanted to be counted worthy. Not that they wanted to harm themselves. Not that they wanted to die. But they wanted to please God. They wanted to go wherever God called them to go. They expected to suffer. They expected to have difficulty. They expected those things and they were okay with it. They praised God for it because they knew what Jesus had suffered for them. Now, I'm going to be honest, I don't really want to suffer, but I know that it's a real possibility. In our current climate in our country, who knows what could happen? Who knows what might happen in our country? And I think for some, and this is where the warning call goes out for, for our churches. And I know that Smyrna didn't have a warning, but here's, here's the warning call to our churches. There could come a time when we will suffer. If you read all of the book of Revelation, it said there's going to be persecutions and suffering, that some will even die for following Christ. We could have that in our country. Will it change your faith? Will it change your walk with God? I think it will, but the question is what direction? For some of us, we're going to go so deep into Jesus, it isn't going to matter. We're going to be just like the people in Smyrna. For others who really didn't have that deeply rooted relationship, they're going to run from God because they're going to be like, how can I do this? Well, it's just much easier to go over here. You know, that path of least resistance that you see when you pour water in and it goes down different paths. And if there's things blocking it, it'll just go another way. Or that idea, some people will go and follow whatever is easy. Following Christ is never, was never meant to be easy or safe. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And in our country, I honestly believe I've been talking to a lot of people and this has been kind of a common thing that no matter what happens with our election, that there's going to be some unrest in our country. That there's going to be some difficulty. That's when we need to dig into Jesus. We as the church need to stand strong on his word. We need to stand firm in him. We live in probably one of the most divided times in our country. But God is still in control. God is still on his throne. And no matter what we may endure, he is first. Now, I was 
I read a little bit further into that book, and I'm not going to read all of that, but that church, that underground church, had five pillars. Had five pillars that they followed. And I want to read those to you because I think they're pretty interesting. Their first was uh, an intense commitment to prayer, which I tell you every week, we need to pray. We need to pray. They prayed an intense commitment to prayer. The second is a commitment to the Word of God. Seems like I say that every week, right? We need to read the Word of God. We need to get in the Word of God. The third commitment is they were, as a group, as a whole, they were committed to sharing the gospel. That was a part of their core values. All of those, yes, I believe 100%. Each of us as believers need to be following those three. Here's one that I think we don't do as well as we should to expect. Number four is to expect the supernatural. They were so used to living in a way that they could lose their life. They took wholeheartedly that the power of the Holy Spirit and that God can work the supernatural. And they expected the supernatural to happen every day. That maybe it would be healings. Maybe it's prophecy. Whatever that is, they expected the supernatural to happen every day. And the last one, and this is the one that Francis said took him off guard. It says, they embrace suffering for the glory of Christ. That's number five. Those are their five pillars. Prayer, the word of God, sharing the gospel, expecting the supernatural, and embracing suffering. They expected all five of those things. That's what their foundation was built on. And then that church... Not that specific. They were house churches. They were underground churches. Grew to thousands and even millions of followers. They were 100% committed to what they believed in following Jesus. They were sold out and committed. God is the God of the supernatural. He empowered the church and He empowers us to share the gospel, to follow Him, he gave us the Holy Spirit to endure all suffering, to endure all circumstances and all situations. Remember, a few weeks ago, I said, you know, what does it matter? Even if this life is gone, I have eternity with Him. I don't, I'm not looking to die. I don't want to die. I want to see my kids get married. I want to see grandkids. But the reality is that if this life ended today, I've got eternity with Jesus. There is nothing here to hold me back. Nothing. There are, here, there are things here that I want to see, that I want to do, but there's nothing here to hold me back because eternity is far greater than my current situation. I want to read one more passage to kind of transition us to my final point. It's in Luke chapter 6, verses 22 through 23, and I think this will, will help us with this. This is Jesus speaking again in verse 22 of Luke chapter 6. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? Son of Man means Jesus. When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for your great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets in the same way. 
yes, there's going to be suffering. Yes, you're going to have difficult times. I don't care if you do everything perfectly. There's still going to be pain. There's still going to be difficult times. Isn't this a great message? <laughs> but here's the thing. There's going to be a great reward. That's the second point, our reward. You will receive the crown of life. A crown of life. You will receive a crown of life. Look at verses, the second part of verse 10 and then 11 of our core, of, of Revelation 2, of our core passage. It says, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you a crown of life. Anyone with ears must hear and listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed in the second death. The image that Jesus is giving here, remember this is a Roman world and they, the Romans were the ones that, that kind of created the Olympics and all of that. And when people would compete, especially athletic, they would get that, that wreath crown that would be put on their head. That's the vision that he's giving. It's not a kingly crown like you're going to be God, but it's this crown of victory. And that, that crown represents eternal life. It's the crown of life. Uh, the, you know, in, in Revelation a little later, it talks about our, our names being written in the Lamb's book of life. That when we're followers of Jesus, when we're following after Him, our name is written there. We get that crown of life. That's our reward. Eternal life with Him. A life that we can't even imagine. That will be so great that it can't even be written down. We can't understand it. We can't comprehend it. We can't even put it in perspective because our life and our world is broken because of Satan and his influence and sin that has fallen into our world. Then it said the second death. Let me give you a little bit of information on what that second death is. Second death is the lake of fire. It's where Satan, it was designed and created for Satan and his fallen angels or Satan and his minions. Those, it was for them. That's what it was created for. It was never intended for us. But it does say that those that don't follow Jesus, those that turn their back on God, will be thrown into the lake of fire after the judgment. And that's what the second death is. But those who are victorious will not be harmed by the second death. We have no fear of that. That's just it. We share these things and people talk about, well, don't scare people into heaven. But here's the thing. If we're striving after God and if we're living for Him and we're loving Him and we're loving others, we don't have to scare people into following Jesus. We just have to show them how much God loves them and what a great reward it is to follow Him. And that reward is eternal life. The benefit is we don't have to worry about the second death. That doesn't put fear into my heart because I know who I am in Him. I don't have to worry about it. Now, what I do worry about is people that I love falling into that. That's what scares me. That my neighbors and people around me and friends don't know Jesus. That's the gospel we've got to share. That, man, you need to know Jesus. You need to spend eternity with Him. I don't want any of my friends. Or anyone, really. That's why Jesus said, I came for everybody. Even our enemies. He wanted no one to perish. 
Look at Revelation 21. This is talking about the eternal lake of fire. Revelation 21, 6-8, it says, And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. This is at the end. You can read through Revelation. There's going to be a lot of things you don't understand. There's things I don't understand. It is a book of prophecy. It has a lot of imagery in it that, that we're not going to fully get. Scholars have been reading and writing about this for generations, and they don't always seem to agree on it. And we're not meant to know it all. Really not. But this is at the end. Jesus speaking is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all of, those, all of these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. That's awesome. But crowds or cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That is the second death. Through the blood of Jesus and by remaining faithful to him, we don't need to fear that second death. Our reward is eternal life with Jesus. Now, I know some of you are going like, I've lied. I've lied too. That's where the blood of Jesus comes in. He's offered us forgiveness. That doesn't mean we lie and just spit in his face. No, we strive every day to be more and more like Jesus. That's why those five pillars, man, pray. Get in the word of God. Then share the gospel. Expect God to do supernatural things. And know that you might even suffer. Expect it. That's why we push so hard to have true and genuine relationship with Jesus. I, it's two reasons. One, I want to be right with God in everything that I do. And two, the more I follow Jesus and I build relationships around me, the more people are going to see Jesus in me and want what I have. Because I can have joy in the midst of suffering. I can have joy in the midst of hard times. I can have joy in the midst of just about losing everything. Because following Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, fills me in a way that nothing this life has to offer can do. And our reward is eternal heaven. Our reward is being filled with the Spirit and living without regret or fear or anxiety because we know God has it. I think it's our reward's twofold. We can live in this life with peace. We can live in this life knowing that God has our back and that no matter what happens, we're with Him. It, again, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain. But you can endure those things with joy. You don't have to like it. You can endure those things and get through those things knowing that this life is not all that there is. That we've been offered eternity. We've been offered our reward of salvation. Our reward, the crown of life. Our reward, eternity with Jesus. That's what I want for you today. That's what I want for our church. That's what I want for our community. That's what I want for our country really for everyone in this world, that they would know Jesus, that there would be no suffering, that heaven would be packed, be packed with 
our friends, our family, everyone that's walked this earth. Our job as believers, one is to care for our spiritual life first. Second is to fill heaven with those around us. That's our job. That's what we do. So I want to encourage you today. Smyrna didn't have a warning, didn't have those things. Now, yeah, I shared what they were going through, and you can take some from warning from that. But what God had for them was, well done. That's what we want to hear. That's what I want for you. So as we wrap up today, take those five pillars and make them a part of your life. Dig into the Word of God. Spend time with Him in prayer. Grow your relationship with God. Time is short. Time is short. Every day we get closer to the return of Christ. We don't know when it's going to be. We don't know when it's going to happen. But I do know this. We live in a very turbulent world that the enemy is trying to destroy us. And we need to dig deep into Him today. So spend some time digging into Christ today. Let me pray with you. Jesus, I am so grateful, so grateful for your word. Lord, we know that there's going to be difficulty and pain, but you gave us your Holy Spirit. You've never left us nor abandoned us. Lord, we want to trust you more today. Lord, I pray for those that struggle to trust you completely. I know I have areas I need to work on. Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust. I pray that you would help us to see things with eternity in mind. And Lord, we thank you that the reward for following you is eternal life. No, we don't deserve it, but you've given it freely. And Lord, I thank you for that. I pray for each one today that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. That Lord, if there are those that don't have that relationship with you, that today, right now, at this moment, that they would commit their lives to you. And from this day forward, move towards growing closer to you. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church that would disciple people to you, to, to grow in you. That we would be a church that would be so full of your spirit that people would be drawn to you. Lord, give us the strength to follow you today. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us and for being a part of the signs to the church that we find in Revelation. We'll do week three next week. See you next time.